0: community proudly presents the JDE Connection, a Quest on-air podcast production.
1: This podcast explores and showcases how JDE customers are harnessing specific functionality and capabilities to drive business success.
0: Hello, JDE Connection listeners. Welcome back. Once again, my name is Chandra Wabshall, one of your podcast hosts, and I'm a senior business analyst at Brightview Landscapes. With me this week and every week is my friend and podcast partner, Paul Houtcooper, cooper vice president of J.D. Edwards Product Development at Oracle. So has the running weather improved in Colorado, Paul?
1: Yes, it's it's not below zero anymore, but I did get the opportunity to run in 10-degree weather over the weekend, uh, 8 miles in 4 inches of snow. So that was fun, but now it's uh, 65 degrees and it looks like we're going to be golfing in a couple days, so... How about you? How was this week with Rita and Agility?
0: Well, we actually didn't have class last Thursday. They had a big trial going on last weekend and they had a seminar that day, so we didn't have class. But I did go to Open Agility on Wednesday evening, which was quite fun. Rita did pretty well. Uh, A little bit different because the courses aren't necessarily set up for us. So sometimes I have to get a little bit creative in what I want to do or maybe what I want to work on. After that, I uh, had a fun time visiting with one of the ladies there, and uh, we were talking about trying to hit up a uh, sunset yoga class on uh, Sunday night, but it rained, so there was no sunset yoga. wah, wah. <laughs> Exactly. It was a sad story. In today's episode, we're talking with Linda Sloan Compton, leader of the J.D. Edwards Business Analyst Special Interest Group, or SIG. We'll discuss... A Day in Her Life, we'll delve into the various hats she wears and her roles and responsibilities as a business analyst. We'll also cover what her involvement in the J.D. Edwards Business Analyst SIG and other SIGs has taught her. Welcome, Linda. We're glad to have you. Thank you, guys. Excited to be here today. Well, first, let's talk a little bit about you. Who do you work for?
2: So I work for Pinnell County, which is a government entity in Arizona. We have about 450,000, give or take, in just our county population-wise, and we have approximately 2,800 full-time active employees. How long have you been there? So uh, I get accused a lot of starting there at the age of 12, um, because I've been there for 27 years, Um, 28 this August. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. That's a, very cool
0: to have been and imagine the the, the changes you've seen along the way.
2: Oh, um, my goodness. Yes. Um, 27 years brings a lot of change, even at governments, regardless of how slow everybody thinks it moves. There's been a, a lot, a lot, a lot of changes. We actually moved from a world product, from J.D. Edwards World to Enterprise One, and then uh and then upgraded to to from 9 one to nine2 so been a, been a lot of moves in the last few years so tell us a little bit about what you do so i am the business analystic president leader for um quest and i've been in that role for the last several years um i don't know i think i'm on three or four now somewhere in that capacity so all those transitions of course you know through covid and and those things but my regular day job is um, as a business analyst for our ERP system, um, as well as the bolt-ons that come with that. So I primarily support our financial side of the house. Um, so all of our procurement, all of our AP, all of our GL, all of our interfaces, payroll, all of those particular pieces that go with 9.2 for us, as well as a couple of third-party reporting tools. And then I also don't have an official title as a supervisor, but I've been at this for so long that I'm really more of the lead for our analysts. And so I also help delve in and support and the HCM side of the house as well as those integrations. And, you know, as it is when you have so many years in the system, that amount of knowledge just over and you get umpteen bazillion phone calls for support in every possible area that you can think of
1: how many other analysts are there um
2: so we actually run a pretty small team we have our manager we have a a developer we have one single developer for us um and then myself and two other analysts and then our in-house cnc just recently retired so we are Actually um, doing a little bit of managed services CNC stuff there and kind of bringing in some of our other application support team folks from other areas um, to give us just a little bit more kind of a hybrid in-house CNC, like server restarts and some security things, things that we don't need to outsource. Um, so we we were a pretty small group for as large as, as we run.
0: You mentioned you've been there 27 years. Uh, What was your path to becoming a BA? Or did you start in that role as a BA?
2: Oh, no, Um, the path is long (laughs) to get here. Um, I actually started as a accounts payable clerk in our finance department. Many, many moons ago. And And then I moved around the county a little bit like I did AP work for a while and then i moved over and i worked in a department doing their ap work and doing those secretarial things and whatnot and then i moved back to our finance department as the capital asset accountant Um, spent a number of years in that role really got to dive in and a little more deeper look into at that time world um, especially from the capital asset side of the house and the financial piece and how those things connected and spent a lot of time on the fall with the knowledge garden folks because we had major problems and, and really kind of got my feet wet there. Um, then I moved from there over to another department, um, into our public works and road maintenance, um, road construction team over there worked heavily there be- and then was named as one of the five majors that were functioning within, um, world at that time. So our IT department, finance, HR, budget, and our public works department. So no changes happened in the system or any of that until the five of us basically signed off that it was kind of a mini steering committee kind of group, you know, kind of focus group. Um, And then moved from there into writing the specs when we wanted to upgrade to a new system, being on the review team, being on the implementation team, being on uh, all of those pieces. And then about 10, almost 11 years ago, I moved out of that capacity as an end user, but a very heavy user and and a large understanding of all of the tables and the integrations and those pieces and actually moved into my analyst role um, but having brought those 17 years worth of, of being on the functional side and then into the technical side and being able to do all that translation and the design and the building and those pieces. So, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a long process to get there, but a very interesting one.
1: So in the middle of that, you mentioned uh, J.D. Edwards' term that maybe not everyone out there would recognize. You said knowledge garden. (laughs) So do you care to uh, describe to everybody out there what the knowledge garden is, was?
2: The knowledge garden um, was basically uh, our lifeline, (laughs) Um, line of support, which would basically mirror Moss now except not in an electronic version or format of mm-hmm. any kind. When I started on World, we were still quote-unquote dumb terminals, So dedicated green screens that mm-hmm. went directly designated data parts, designated terminals, whole nine yards, and so if you had an issue, of course, you went to our IT department, and then from there, um, I had a little sticky note that stuck on my cubicle wall that had a phone number, what Q version that we were on, what our quote-unquote support ID number was, and who you were, and you talked to tier one individual, and you explained your problems and your issues, and if you got lucky, you had a set of manuals somewhere that they would refer you back to or you logged your call and then you'd get a call back on how to fix it and walk through it or uh, or you'd have to set up designated lines because they need to dial in, dial in to your <coughs> black box that was J.D. Edwards, go that sat in the basement. <laughs> 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 that was Knowledge Garden. And then you would escalate it beyond that up the chain. And and I spent so much time on the phone with them and fixing things that were going on with the capital asset program and the fixed assets that they got to where they'd be like, Did you try that? I'm like, I already did that. Let me just tell you what I've already done, so you can check all the boxes off and get me to a tier two rep. Yes. Because you I'm, I've, I've moved past your level one.
1: So, yes, <laughs> thank you, thank you for explaining day. that. Yes. <laughs> no, yes, it sounds the lockdown
0: like a... membrane lane.
1: <laughs> well, we have to pick up something that we're trying to do too is pick up on some of the JD Edwards terms. We already did a JD Lingo session, but even since then, we've. Started to compile a list of additional terms we missed, and so knowledge garden would be one of those. You mentioned cume, which is another one that you know all the world folks out there are like, oh, we know what that is, but the you know enterprise white yes. folks maybe not so much. Uh, we haven't gotten to SBC here, but we'll just leave that alone. Let's talk real quick. You <laughs> make this transition after 17 years of being on the on the business side. You know what was the biggest challenge that you faced in making that transition?
2: it was kind of being pulled in multiple directions because it, I had, yes, I had originated on that functional side of the house, but I'd spent a lot of time in the understandings of the, the tables and the field names and those aliases. And it, in the old world version, I was writing world writer and faster reports that typically a developer would write um, or our C would write that, So I had that knowledge and that piece of it, as well as having worked in, you know, the finance department with complete carte blanche access of, you know, every business unit and everything going on and business processes galore. And also the, the actual departmental levels of, I'm sorry, you, you don't get access to those things. And then to, To translate that part back to a very technical group as you're trying to break down the, they're like, well, you don't, you don't need to do this or you don't need to do that. It's like, well, 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 time out that that does happen or, you know, you're not thinking about that piece. And so that, that cross between the functional and the technical to grasp what both sides were looking for really. Was a huge transition piece in there of of just trying to, it's almost like trying to get both sides to the same table and they're not even in the same room.
1: <laughs> Bridging the gap again. between what really happens in the real world versus what happens in the technical side and trying to get everybody on the same page, being that translator yes. again. Wow.
2: Yes, whiteboards and as many whiteboard marker colors as you can have is my
1: friend. That's awesome. I think you can relate, Chandra.
0: Yeah, maybe. In episode one, I think I said I consider myself an interpreter or a
2: translator. I think Linda feels the same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Even today, with, with as many, no, you're not. You are definitely not alone. Interested in learning how other JDE customers are
0: driving success in their organizations? Join one or more of the J.D. Edwards Special Interest Groups, or SIGs, for informal conversation and
1: community. Bring your questions, find answers, build your JDE network, share and prioritize product ideas, and help influence product roadmap. To sign up, visit questoraclecommunity.org groups.
2: Even today, with as many years in in this support role, it's still that translator piece I mean it, the conversations that I have with our developer alone is you know okay, what do you want it to do? Well, I want it to do this all right what's triggering it? What's basing it? Where are we pulling those from does yeah you know, so you really have to grasp the understanding of the tables the 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 how the for lack of better terms what the primary key is right from you know <laughs> go back to access database mm-hmm. world what drives that flow what populates what what the originating source is where you pull it from what you do with it in order to truly develop whether whether we're looking at trying to build an orchestration to do something or we're implementing a new module and how it is that flow work? And how do you extract that? And what do you build for this interface? That knowledge and translation ability between the functional side and the technical side is really key. But I find a lot of analysts don't have that piece, And I, and I think and it's a struggle. it really is a struggle. In, in some ways, too, as an analyst, I mean, I know for us, we've almost homegrown all three of our analysts, but they come from a very functional side and that translation and, and, and inner working piece to the technical to get what you need is a hard skill to really hone. Like they learn the basic tables and they know where the basic data is sitting but not always what the interconnect is. So then, then you spend time trying to put tools in their hands and explain different pieces. Like, okay, you you built this report or, or you're pulling this in or you're looking for this in data browser, but like, talk me through, what are you really looking for? Because if that's not the table you need to be in or that's, not this report interconnect that you need and it that part is probably have an entire college course on just the translation between functional and technical
1: yeah i mean that's what it was starting to sound like is i I get very curious when you're talking to your developer what is it that they're missing the component that they're missing that You always have to bridge this gap between technical world and real world, like what actually happens and how people actually use the system. But then you've got what you're describing with some of the homegrown BAs is great. You understand how it happens in the real world and you have a, this might not be the right word, but a superficial understanding of the tables, the aliases and whatnot, but you don't have a deep understanding of the relationships and how the system actually works so how do we pull back the curtain and explain that without getting too deep? You know, we're not necessarily trying to turn every analyst into a developer, but there's got to be some level of understanding of these various relationships and what what degree of detail do you need to know in order to be effective at that point?
2: Absolutely. That is is really big and and like for our analysts, they spend all of their time on a web client They don't spend any of their time on a FAT client. So when we start talking about, you know, like our server setup and we have VDIs, we have virtual boxes and we have, you know, all of these components, the other two analysts in, in our group don't spend any time on anything except the web client side. So they're actually seeing our customer base and what they're looking at and how they're functioning. And then heavily on data browser in that side of things. So when when questions come up and things happen and, and those things, and I turn and go to the developer and say, hey, can you tell me what this report is built off of? Like, I just need to understand the technical that's in this report. But if a lot of your analysts don't understand what, all of those. So you read the SQL statement off of their report, and you go, oh yeah, it's grabbing this field and this field and this field and it's looking at this this specific file and or these three files, but you don't that translation piece will really become key because most of those reports are, are pre-built, pre-delivered reports from 9.2. Mm-hmm. And then then you try to and and your developer only see a, field names, aliases, and files. He's like, "Okay, I have data. What do you want?" Like, <laughs> "Well, <that's> great. <laughs> Good <laughs> job. Let's go, go. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's I get that a lot from my developer. He's like, "Okay, I have it now. What?" I'm like, "Okay, let's let's roll across here. Let's start looking at, you know, and in, in translating and." And at the same time, when you look at, so this, this becomes another piece that I think a cheat sheet from Oracle or a list of things would be amazing is when you are in various modules, you have a prefix that ties to your alias, right? But on the web client side, you only get the alias. You only get Mm -hmm. a and eight. Mm-hmm. But when you dive into the actual aliases, when you get in the tables and the files, you get a GL, you get a YM, you get a K. P- well, that. Whatever. Yep. Exactly. And that translation piece misses from BAS to developers.
0: Yeah, especially if you want pieces of data from multiple files, right? You want to have exactly. that alias, know that alias, and I do agree that it that has been a struggle. That was a big struggle for me as well, is figuring out what alias. You know, not what the alias is. That's easy enough. F one, I can find that. Go where it on came from. Exactly where it's coming from. Yes. So that you know, I know there's a a website that I use to to quickly go find the table aliases. Me too.
1: <laughs> but it, it comes from a table, and there's data. Oh, yes,
0: yes. Pick a table. Thank you. Pick a table. Who is the developer on this call anyway? Huh?
1: I figured I'd serve <laughs> up a softball. So, but I am noting some of the uh, yeah. some of the tools that you're mentioning as you go along, and you know, Data Browser being one that you're constantly using, that the BAS are constantly using. The you know, being able to analyze a SQL statement, but this this how critical the prefix was is new to me i mean i you know maybe i would have recognized that a while back but that is you know right now i I can see where that adds a level you know your interpretation of the information that you're receiving and you know is really dictated can be dictated by with the pre you know the prefix because otherwise you don't know the origin Correct.
2: correct and that prefix the alias may span multiple tables and the prefix changes between it um and and especially um there's pieces that come from payroll to the gl that are not a one-to-one like they're not the same alias you just figure that out once you're in there for a while
1: <laughs> yes
2: yes
0: <laughs> trial and error <laughs> More
1: error oh, yes
0: well maybe i don't know
1: <laughs> well i think my favorite is when the meaning of the field changes based on other attributes and that's not captured anywhere you simply need to know that doc number doc id in 4111 when it came from a service order actually represents you know a doc id but when it comes from a manufacturing work order nee, 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 nee. Not doc ID. It doesn't represent doc ID. It represents something else. It represents work order number. And oh, by the way, those don't post until manufacturing accounting. Whereas your service order is already posted. And these are things that are there's just unwritten relationships, unwritten rules, unwritten interpretations that are that are out there that you have to that you just you just learn over time. I mean, it is painful, right? Sometimes you know to learn those things because you're constantly misinterpreting what you're reading as a result of not understanding those relationships.
2: Yes. Try to try to do a capital asset additions, deletions report and uh, troubleshoot it when uh, it uses the 902 file and the the BREM and the BRAP and the BARP and the, all of those. And you're like, wait, that's all budget tables. I don't understand why. Explain that to somebody that thing. doesn't have knowledge on it.
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. When we repurpose fields for what they weren't originally intended for, but in another system, yeah, it's fantastic. We don't do that at yeah. all. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-mm. All right.
2: Oh, you mean the outside wells, wells and leasing column that sits in the nine eleven that actually holds a uh, payroll data.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You didn't. You didn't repurpose that at all. <laughs>
1: Ah, uh, no comment. I wasn't here when I was. I mean, these are the things that happened when I was 12 years old. It? I mean, please, okay,
2: and I guess I'll let you slide just a little bit. We don't,
1: we don't, don't no, hold responsible for it now for prior generations. All right, <laughs> yes, yes, even though our guest isn't from the Midwest, we can't forget our Midwesternism of the day. So Chandra, what was the telltale sign Linda isn't from the Midwest?
0: Well, Paul, early on in our conversation, she said, oh my goodness, the proper Midwestern phrase would have been, oh, for goodness sakes. This phrase can be used to indicate a range of emotion from annoyance and exasperation to surprise and amazement. It can also be used to add additional emphasis to a statement like, Why can't Paul just add a processing option, for goodness sakes?
1: (laughs) All right. Well, join us on the next episode of the JDE Connection as we continue our discussion with Linda Sloan Compton and talk about finding and retaining talent, knowledge sharing, and training and support for BAs.
0: Also find out what characters control the file system in Linda Sloan Compton's head and who is running around with the colored pens and strings. Until next time.
1: Catch you later. Toodles. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode of the JDE Connection, a Quest on-air podcast production. Show notes and links can be found at questoraclecommunity.org slash jdeconnection.
0: To learn more about what's happening in the Quest J.D. Edwards community, visit our website at questoraclecommunity.org slash jd edwards.